Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode 147 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. I'm an employment solicitor and HR specialist and I run the firm Real Employment Law Advice where we provide advice and assistance to employers and employees. Now this episode of the podcast is going to be the first of at least six episodes, possibly seven, and I'm going to be focusing on redundancy. Now the reason for this is I have done a redundancy mini-series before, um, several years ago in the early stages of the podcast. The reason I'm bringing it back for a refresh, if you like, is because when I'm recording this today, we're currently in the middle of the COVID-19 crisis in the UK. Um, I'm just waiting for this weekend, uh, May bank holiday weekend, early bank holiday, to hear from the government as to what's happening next in terms of the furlough scheme, the job retention scheme and the lockdown situation. And the reason why I'm doing this redundancy series now is because from talking to a number of my customers and clients, I recognise that there are going to be the need for businesses to make cutbacks in the future. Clearly, the job retention or furlough scheme is not going to continue indefinitely. And I know that a number of businesses are anticipating a reduction in workload of variable amounts depending on what happens in terms of the stages of the release from lockdown if you like. Um, so I thought it'd be a good time to give you a full refresh on what redundancy is all about and I am using some of the content from before and I will be updating it and amending it where necessary or relevant to the current situation. And this first episode is an introduction to redundancy, explaining what redundancy is and how you reach the conclusion that it's a redundancy situation. Now, in the current circumstances that we find ourselves in, it is unlikely that you're going to find yourself in an argument about whether it really is a redundancy situation or not, with the reductions that are going to be happening and the reasons for the situation uh, arising, it's likely to be redundancy. But it's a good idea to refresh you on exactly what redundancy is, what the statutory definition is, and how case law has developed in relation to defining when a redundancy situation arises. And then, as I say, I'll be going through each stage of the redundancy process in the forthcoming episodes. Now, if you have any questions or anything you want covered in any of the forthcoming episodes on redundancy, then do please get in touch with me. My email is alison at realemploymentoradvice.co.uk. And without further ado, I'm going to get into this week's featured content. So what does redundancy mean? Okay, so everybody's got an idea about what they think redundancy means. And what many people don't realise, I suppose, is that there is a statutory definition of what redundancy is. So there's a legal definition about redundancy. And if the scenario or situation doesn't actually fit into that statutory definition, then it won't be classed as a redundancy dismissal. So when you're thinking about redundancies or 
you think that you will be dismissing an employee for redundancy, the first place to start is the statutory definition to see if what you're actually doing in the situation fits. So what is the statutory definition? What I thought I would do is read it out to you. I think that's probably the easiest way. And if you want to have a look, it, it's in section 139 of the Employment Rights Act. And I will put the full definition in the show notes. Okay, so for the purposes of this Act, so the Employment Rights Act, an employee who is dismissed shall be taken to be dismissed by reason of redundancy if the dismissal is wholly or mainly attributable to... A. The fact that his employer has ceased or intends to cease to carry on the business for the purposes for which the employee was employed by him or to carry on that business in the place where the employee was so employed or B. The fact that the requirements of that business for employees to carry out work of a particular kind or for employees to carry out work of a particular kind in the place where the employee was employed by the employer have ceased or diminished or expected to cease or diminish. Okay, so that's the statutory definition. But what does it mean? Well, it can be broken down into three parts. So you've got the first part is where there's a closure of the business. So where the employer intends to um, close the business for which the employee was employed. And then there is the closure of the workplace or the site where the employee is employed. So if you've got a, a business which has you know, 17 branches and then they decide to make cuts and actually reduce it to 10 branches, then there will be a redundancy situation for those branches that are being closed, even though the whole business isn't closing. And then finally, the definition covers where there's a reduction in the numbers within the whole business. So the numbers of employees required to carry out work of a particular kind. So those are the three situations. So closure of business, closure of a site, or a reduction in the numbers of um, employees required. And that can be either in the particular site where employees are employed or um, across the business. So for example, we'll take the example where there's a a company with a number of branches and they decide um, as a whole across the business they need to make cutbacks, so they're reducing the number of staff across the business. Then that would be a redundancy situation. Or they decide in a particular branch for whatever reason, let's just say, you know, the footfall in a shop... Um, in a particular location has fallen because of the demographics of the um, of the community and therefore they decide that they need fewer staff to cover in that particular branch. In that situation then that would be a diminished requirement for employees to do work of a particular kind at that place. Now when it comes to making a decision about redundancy and whether it's a true redundancy situation or not, the Employment Tribunal will rarely interfere with the business decisions behind the redundancy situation. Okay, so they, there's no need for an employer to justify why they've made that business decision to, let's say, cut the number of employees across the business, for example. As long as the Employment Tribunal are satisfied that it's a genuine reason for dismissal, so it's genuinely redundancy is the reason why that employee is being dismissed, they won't delve into the reasons behind it. And the Employment Tribunal will often take it on face value that it's a redundancy situation. I find this quite interesting because I advise both employers and employees in relation to employment law. And I'm quite often where there's a redundancy situation and I have employee clients who are unhappy about the decision to make them redundant will often 
um, bring up issues and say, well, you know, it's not never going to work and um, the employer doesn't know what they're talking about and commercially it's a bad decision. I don't understand why they're doing it um, and sort of question the commercial decision making behind what the employer is doing. And in those circumstances, whatever the decision might be, as long as the reason is truly redundancy for their dismissal, the employment tribunal aren't interested if it's a good sound business decision or not. And this can be quite helpful for employers because, you know, there might maybe times when you do need to make changes within your business. And the last thing you want to do is be having to justify your commercial decision to both employees and, and potentially the employment tribunal. However, what I should say about that is that if the employee argues that the reason for their dismissal isn't in fact redundancy, so if they say to the tribunal, actually, you know, the reason they've dismissed me is because of my conduct or because I raised a grievance or because I was whistleblowing, then the employment tribunal may look at the background to the redundancy. So they'll look at the background to the decision making. But if, if it's a true redundancy situation, they won't question, as I said, why you've made that decision. There have been a number of cases where disputes have arisen as to whether a redundancy situation has actually arisen. OK, and that can be from both sides of the coin. On the one hand, you might have an employee who's arguing that there is actually a redundancy situation and that's the reason for their dismissal and they might be arguing that so that they can get their redundancy payment so they'd have an entitlement to redundancy payment if the reason for their dismissal is redundancy or the employer could be having to argue that it's a redundancy situation where the employee is saying actually it's not redundancy so a disputes often arise as to actually whether it is in order to establish if it really is a redundancy situation that applies for the purposes of redundancy payments, the Employment Appeal Tribunal gave a leading judgment in a case known as Burrell. So they've produced a test as a three-stage test from this case, which was Safery Stores versus Burrell from 1997. And that says, in order to establish if it's a redundancy situation, you look at the statutory definition and then you apply the three-stage test, which is, one was the employee dismissed. Clearly, you know, an employee can't claim that they are entitled to a redundancy payment if they haven't actually been dismissed. Then too, had the requirements of the business for employees to carry out work of a particular kind ceased or diminished, or did one of the other economic states of affairs in the section 139 definition exist? And if so, was the dismissal of the employee caused wholly or mainly by the state of affairs identified at stage two? So let's break that down. In order for it to be a redundancy situation where an employee can claim redundancy pay, they have to have been dismissed, there has to be a diminished requirement for their work and the reason for their dismissal must be caused by that diminished requirement. So that's an overview of the definition of redundancy and establishing whether there is a redundancy payment situation. What I'm going to do is just go into each of those separately, each of the scenarios separately to identify some of the potential issues that could arise. Now, the first one is in relation to business closure. So some issues that can arise with the business closure are where, for instance, it's a temporary business closure. In that case, an employer may argue that because it's a temporary closure, it isn't a redundancy situation. And there have been cases where employees have argued that actually, yes, it is, and they're entitled to redundancy pay. And what the employment tribunal will look at in those circumstances is how long is it for? Is it a temporary cease in the business or is it going to be a more long term period? 
And this is a question of fact that the Employment Tribunal will look at. Where there has been a change in the business from one type to another, that could be a business closure. But again, it will depend on the facts of the circumstances here. And the question is really, how different is the new business to the original one? Um, And has the previous business ceased? If the previous business has ceased altogether, then that would be a redundancy situation. But if, however, parts of the business are being carried on in the new business, um, it may not be. So um, it's another scenario where um, it looks again at the facts of the, the particular circumstances. And where there's a business closure, there might actually also be a TUPI situation. So TUPI, for those who don't know, is the Transfer of Undertakings Regulations, which requires in certain circumstances the automatic transfer of employees' employment from one employer to another. And where there's been a business closure, and then let's just say you've got a hair salon, which um, closes down and is then reopened again as a hair salon by a new owner. In those circumstances, it may be that it wasn't a redundancy situation. And in fact, the employee's employment should cheapen to the new owner. So again, that's one of the issues that might arise. Then looking at workplace closures. So this is where the place of work actually closes. Let's take the example I talked about earlier in the episode of a company that has a number of branches around the UK and they decide to reduce the number. What you would need to do in that scenario is look at where is the actual place of work for the employees and is it their branch that's closing down? And it will very much depend on what the actual circumstances are of how the employee works. It's not just what's written in their contract as to whether their particular workplace is closing down or not. It's actually the realities of where they're working. There was a really interesting case a few years ago in the Employment Appeal Tribunal, which was um, Exol Lubricants. In this case, Exol tried to argue that the place of employment of two of their drivers had actually closed. And that was a lorry park where they were entitled to park their own vehicles before they travelled for the employer's work. So the employees had a contract which said their employment was uh, at the depot. So their place of employment was at Excel's depot. And they were actually paid for time spent away, driving their empty lorries to the depot and the journey back to the lorry park at the end of each day. So what the employees would do is they would drive to the lorry park, they would drop off their own vehicles, they would pick up Exxon's vehicles and then they were paid for the time they spent driving the empty lorries from the lorry park to the depot and then back again at the end of each day. So basically they started work each day at the lorry park where they picked up the the empty lorries. And then what happened to prompt this scenario was the employer decided to withdraw the parking facility. So it took away the facility for the employees to park their own cars at the lorry park. The drivers were unhappy about this and they didn't consent to making the change. And when the employees refused to accept this change, the employer said that a redundancy situation had arisen and dismissed the employees. The employees understandably argued that their workplace hadn't closed, their workplace was actually the depot and just because the lorry park was no longer available it didn't mean that there was a redundancy situation. Now the Employment Appeal Tribunal in this case agreed with the employees that there was no redundancy situation and said that their dismissals had been unfair. The key thing in this case was there was nothing which suggested that actually their their place of work had changed so it hadn't changed from being the depot to the lorry park. The depot still existed and therefore there was no closure. 
One of the areas which I think causes the most contention is where there is a diminished requirement for employees. It's much easier, I think, for people to reconcile when there's a business closure or a closure of a, a particular branch or depot. But where there is a reduced requirement of, of for employees, that's where you can get employees questioning the decision behind it. And a reduced requirement for employees can mean that there's less work. So that's quite an obvious one. Let's just say um, an employer loses a contract for the supply of goods to one of their major companies and therefore um, they need to manufacture less. So they've got less work available, so they need less employees. That's fairly obvious. Another situation can be where there is the same amount of work, but actually fewer staff are needed for it. And over the last few years following the crash in 2008, a number of employers have been looking at ways of streamlining their business and cutting costs. So they're getting fewer staff to do more work over the period of time. And, and that's where there can be quite a bit of contention because people say, well, actually, the work's still there. But the employer is saying, well, we need to cut costs. So we're having fewer employees. But that would be a reduced requirement for work of a particular kind. And then where there is a change in job function, so there's a restructure or the introduction of new equipment or a new way of working, that can be a reduction in the requirements and that can lead to a redundancy situation. And there is an interesting case on this from 1984, which is Mr Murphy and Epsom College. And what happened in this case was Mr Murphy was an experienced plumber and he worked for Epsom College and he was made redundant when his employer decided to change the job roles. So he was changed, the job roles were changed from plumbers to heating engineers. And the reason for this change was because they had brought in some new uh, machinery and new equipment and they were, made improvements to the system, which meant that they no longer needed plumbers, but they actually needed heating engineers. Mr. Murphy decided to um, argue against th this decision and claimed that it wasn't a redundancy because his role still existed. And in that case, the Employment Appeal Tribunal decided that there was a diminished need for plumbers because maintenance of the plant was not a plumber's work. So that's where there can be a reorganisation. And then finally, where there's an outsourcing. Again, this is a question that often comes up from employees, and particularly in the last few years where, again, as I was saying, trying to cut employers are trying to cut costs. So let's just say you've got the accounts functions within your business and you decide that you no longer want to have an internal accounts department, but instead you want to have accountants deal with your bookkeeping and day-to-day -day things and payroll, all those sorts of things. So you outsource the requirement. In those circumstances, then there would be a diminished requirement for employees. Although the work still needs to be done, you no longer need those employees. And that's when there will be a diminished requirement and a redundancy situation. Now, there may be scenarios where, as I was saying before, where Tupi applies in this situation. So if there's a service provision change, and there could be a Tupi situation, so employees may Tupi to the new provider. Tupi is a whole complicated area of law, and um, that's for another series that we'll do in the future. So there we have um, a quick overview of when a redundancy situation will arise, and some of the questions that can come up about the different types of redundancy scenario. So there we go. That was an episode on 
an introduction to redundancy, which hopefully you've found helpful. It's always a good idea to have an understanding in the background before you start embarking on the process about what redundancy is all about. Now, if your organisation or you are thinking about undertaking redundancies and you're not sure where to start, now, of course, we offer bespoke advice uh, on our normal hourly rate or on a fixed fee if you want any help with that directly. Otherwise, we recognise that budgets are going to be fairly limited at the moment. And so with that in mind, we've created a new DIY product, uh, which will be the full process, documents and letters that you'll require to undertake a redundancy process. And this will be available from Friday the 15th of May. And you'll be able to download it all directly from our website, which is adviceforemployers.co.uk forward slash DIY hyphen document hyphen shop. And there you'll be able to purchase all the documents you need with guidance for you to do it yourself. And that's going to be priced at £165 plus VAT. So that's £198 in total, which equates to one hours of our normal hourly rate. So it's going to be a great resource if you are doing it yourself or you are trying to go through a redundancy on a budget and you're not really sure what to do. We will also be running a free webinar on Wednesday the 20th of May at 10am using Zoom to go through the basics of redundancy and to answer any questions that are put to us uh, by those attending. So if you would like to attend, then you can find more details again on our website, which is adviceforemployers.co.uk forward slash events. And there you'll find all the details on how to register via Eventbrite, where you'll get the code to join on Zoom. It's a free call and you're welcome to attend and pass on the details to anyone who may be interested in attending. And of course, if you can't attend the Zoom call, then just continue listening to the next few episodes of the podcast about redundancy. Now, recognising that things are going to be moving fairly quickly, I will be releasing each of the episodes on redundancy much more quickly than fortnightly um, that we normally do. So they'll be coming in quick succession over the next two to three weeks. So you get all the information on the podcast as well. Finally, before I sign off, um, I'd like to say thank you to everyone who continues and has been getting in touch with me, uh, connecting on LinkedIn or sending me emails to say how much you're enjoying the podcast and how you find it useful. It's always really great to hear from you, particularly when I'm recording this on a Sunday night or I'm working in the office on my own which I'm currently doing at the moment Um, so it's really lovely to hear from you and to know that the podcast is being helpful even in these very difficult times. As always don't hesitate to get in touch my email is alison at realemploymentadvice.co.uk. Thanks for listening and I'll be in touch again soon. Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you that the information in this podcast is for information only. It's general review and a general update. It's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances. So please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast. But please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice.